Since the dawn of human history, people have been aware of a seemingly miraculous substance. It was a substance that had the same color as silver, but unlike silver, it wasn't a solid. It was a liquid. Ancient people used this substance as a medicine and as an elixir for long life, something which they got absolutely wrong. Learn more about the element mercury, its history, and its unique properties on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. I recently had the chance to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond, and I can attest to its exceptional aromas with hints of caramel and vanilla intertwining with its oakiness, which provide a well-rounded flavor profile. Taking a sip is akin to experiencing a piece of bourbon history firsthand. Heaven Hill Distillery may be America's most quintessential bourbon distillery. Established in 1935 after the end of Prohibition, the distillery was established by the Shapira family and has remained a family-owned distillery to this day. In 1897, Congress passed the Bottled in Bond Act, which set forth strict rules for any bourbon labeled Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond bourbon goes beyond the stringent requirements of the law by aging its bourbon for seven years, not four. The end result is a gold medal-winning bourbon that truly stands out. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill reminds you, think wisely, drink wisely. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, Listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into The Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to The Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, Relax and get lost in the Daily Book Club. What we know today as mercury was one of the seven metals of antiquity. These were metals that the ancients knew about because they could be found in their base elemental form. In addition to mercury, there was iron, copper, gold, silver, lead, and tin. Needless to say, mercury was very different from the other six. While it was known, there weren't nearly as many practical uses for it as there were for the other metals. We should start with the tail of the tape for mercury. Mercury has an atomic number of 80, and thus has 80 protons in its nucleus. This puts it right after platinum and gold on the periodic table. The big thing about mercury, however, and the one thing that everyone knows if they know anything about mercury, is its low melting point, especially for a metal. Mercury has a melting point of 234.3 Kelvin, or negative 38.8 Celsius, or negative 37.8 Fahrenheit. Its boiling point is 357 Celsius, or 674 degrees Fahrenheit. That means so long as it isn't bound to some other element in the form of a chemical compound, and it's in its elemental form, mercury will be a liquid at almost every temperature that we will ever experience it at. Mercury is rather rare in the Earth's crust, but it's far from the rarest element. 
it's more abundant than silver, gold, or platinum. However, because it doesn't tend to bind with most other elements where it's found, it can be found in high concentrations. While ancient people knew of mercury, it wasn't as if they discovered pools of liquid mercury sitting around. Almost all mercury from the ancient world came from a mineral known as cinnabar, or mercury sulfide. It has the chemical formula of HGS. Cinnabar is a very bright red and was the basis for the pigment known as vermilion. Many ancient people used cinnabar directly as a cosmetic or an ink or in dyes. Many ancient cultures, including China, Egypt, Rome, the Olmecs, Maya, and many others were known to have used it. Extracting mercury from cinnabar was actually pretty easy, especially compared to how difficult it was to extract other metals from their ores. There were recipes for cold mercury extraction, which involved pulverizing cinnabar in copper and in the presence of an acid, usually vinegar. You can also extract mercury from cinnabar by just heating it, which is how it was extracted at a large scale by the Romans. If you heat cinnabar, mercury vapor will be released, which can then be condensed similar to how alcohol is distilled. Evidence of mercury has been found all over the world. The earliest evidence of liquid mercury was found in Egyptian tombs dating back to about 1500 BC. In one of the most incredible stories from ancient China, the first Chinese emperor Qin supposedly had a tomb built with a map of his territories on the floor, and all of the water in his territories was represented by flowing liquid mercury. The tomb, if it does exist, hasn't been discovered yet, but if it does exist, it may be located somewhere near the terracotta warriors of Xi'an. Likewise, in 2014, a large deposit of mercury was found underneath the Temple of the Feathered Spirit in Mexico. However, these uses of mercury were mostly ornamental. The strange liquid properties of mercury gave it mystical attributes, which is why it was so often used by alchemists. Emperor Qin sought to achieve immortality, and he was given treatments by his doctors who believed that mercury was the key to good health. Emperor Qin's doctors couldn't have been more wrong. Not only does mercury not promote good health, it's actually quite toxic. But more on that in a bit. The Romans probably did more mercury mining than any other civilization in history up to that point, and they observed that working with mercury often resulted in illness and death. This became known as mercurialism. The word mercury is of Latin origin, and it's named after the planet Mercury, which is named after the Roman god of the same name. The association of the element mercury with the planet has to do with speed. Mercury is the fastest planet, and Mercury was the god of messages and journeys. The element of Mercury, often known as quicksilver, was associated with speed because of how it would move. The chemical symbol for Mercury is Hg, which comes from the Romanized Greek word hydrogyrum, which just means water silver. One of the biggest advances in Mercury was the discovery in the 16th century that Mercury could be used to process silver. Dubbed the patio process, it was developed by Bartolome de Medina in Pachuca, Mexico in 1554. The patio process used mercury to create an amalgam with silver. An amalgam is any metallic alloy with mercury. Mercury is particularly fond of creating amalgams with gold and silver, so it proved to be an excellent way to extract silver from ore. The patio process largely replaced smelting in the production of silver. Given the large amounts of silver the Spanish were mining in the New World, it required large amounts of mercury for the patio process. 
The primary source of mercury was a single mine in Almaden, Spain, which was the largest deposit of mercury in the form of cinnabar on Earth. The mine in Almaden had been in service for over 2,000 years, but it was only starting in the 16th century that the mine saw its greatest output. I actually had the pleasure of visiting the mine in Almaden in 2018. The mine actually hasn't been in operation since 2002, and it was open to the public in 2006. Today, it and another mercury mine in Slovenia are both World Heritage Sites. The mercury produced in Almaden was then shipped to the New World to process the silver, which was then shipped back to Spain. The use of mercury for the amalgamation of silver and gold was by far the largest use of mercury for centuries. However, there were eventually more uses found for the unique substance. In 1643, the Italian scientist Evangelista Torricelli invented a device to measure air pressure. It was a U-shaped tube that was closed on one end and open on the other, with a liquid in the middle that would move based on the pressure from the open end of the tube. Water was originally used as the liquid, but it required an enormous tube. With heavier mercury, it only required a tube a fraction of the size. In 1714, Daniel Gabriel Fahrenheit a Polish physicist living in the Netherlands, invented a device that consisted of mercury in a closed tube that would change its level based on temperature. The mercury-in-glass thermometer was the most accurate temperature-measuring device created at that time. In the 19th century, mercuric nitrate was used to produce a superior felt that was used in hats. The constant exposure of mercury vapors by hat makers often led to mercury poisoning. And this is where the phrase, mad as a hatter, came from. The 20th century saw even more uses for mercury. One of the most important uses was in electronic devices. The fact that mercury was both an electrical conductor and a liquid allowed it to be used for many different applications. One of the biggest uses was in electrical switches. Depending on the position of the switch, mercury could flow from one end of the switch to the other where there were two electrodes, and mercury would help complete the circuit. Mercury vapor fluorescent lights were developed, which were more efficient than incandescent lights. When an electrical current passes through mercury vapor, it produces ultraviolet light. When the ultraviolet rays hit the phosphor coating on a tube, it causes it to fluoresce. In the mid-20th century, mercury was used in non-rechargeable batteries that were very popular during and immediately after World War II. The biggest use for mercury during the 20th century was for the chloral alkali process. The chloral alkali process was used to separate chlorine and sodium in a brine solution. Amalgams of mercury, usually with silver, tin, and copper, have been used in dentistry to fill cavities. Mercury fulminate is an explosive that was often used as a primer in bullets. And on top of all of this, mercury was used in a host of chemical products, including paints and cleaning products. One of the most innovative uses of mercury was as a mirror in telescopes. Because of its silvery reflective surface, mercury could be used as a telescope mirror. Isaac Newton discovered that if you rotated a liquid, the surface of the liquid would form a parabola as the edges of the liquid rose up along the side of the rim. If you had a very large container of mercury and spun it, you would be able to create a very powerful lens. And this is exactly what some astronomers did. They created a very large aperture telescope lens using mercury at just a fraction of the cost of traditional telescopes. There is, of course, a massive downside to this method. You can't really point a liquid mirror in any direction you want. In fact, there's only one direction you can point it, straight up. 
The University of British Columbia's massive 6-meter telescope, known as the Large Zenith Telescope, allows for a massive mirror at a fraction of the cost of traditional telescopes by using mercury. Mercury was a somewhat common ingredient in many different industrial and commercial products throughout the 20th century. However, there was a big problem. While mercury poisoning had been known for centuries, medical professionals began to understand just what the dangers were of mercury poisoning. I'm old enough that I can remember mercury thermometers, and in a few cases, how they would break and you could play with mercury. It turned out that this was an incredibly dumb thing to do. Mercury can quite easily vaporize, which means that even if you work with liquid mercury, you run the risk of mercury poisoning. All of the mercury in so many products raised the level of mercury poisoning for everyone in the population. However, as a heavy toxic metal that could uniquely vaporize compared to other metals, mercury could accumulate in life forms that ingested it. And this was especially problematic in fish, as mercury would accumulate at higher trophic levels of the food chain. Lower levels of animals may have only had a small amount of mercury. However, as those fish were eaten and were subsequently eaten by other fish, mercury levels would accumulate. Fish like tuna can have higher levels of mercury, as can dolphins and whales. In 2008, actor Jeremy Piven was diagnosed with mercury poisoning after he was found with mercury levels five to six times higher than normal. It turned out he'd been eating sushi twice a day, every day, for 20 years. Mercury is a fascinating substance. Its heavy weight and the fact that it's a liquid at room temperature makes it extremely useful for certain applications. However, it's also a highly toxic substance. It's so toxic that it's been removed from almost all common commercial products. And that's a fact that probably wouldn't have survived the people who did work with mercury almost 2,000 years ago. The executive producer of Everything Everywhere Daily is Charles Daniel. The associate producers are Peter Bennett and Cameron Kiefer. I wanted to give a big thanks to everyone who supports the show on Patreon. Your support helps me put out a new show every day. And if you're interested in Everything Everywhere Daily merchandise, Patreon is currently the only place where it's available. And if you'd like to talk to other listeners of the show and get notified of future episodes and projects, please join my Facebook group or Discord server. Links to everything are in the show notes.